All right. So, Father, we just thank you for this um, day, and we thank you for your presence. We thank you for what a good father you are. Um, we thank you because you are always for us and never against us. You are always looking for our best. And so, Father, we pray that as much as it depends on us, that we are willing to and have a desire to give you the best that we have, to give you the best of us, to give that to you all the time, as much as your Holy Spirit allows. We mm. thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, because we know that Jesus, you said, without me, you can do nothing. And we know that your Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can accomplish the things that you have called us to do. Right. We ask for your spirit to be here with us today. Father, open up our hearts and our minds to receive the things that you would have for us today. And Father, we just bless you and teach us to honor you and to glorify you and to worship you and to be all that you have put in our hearts to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the last week's teaching is up on the website now, which is beyondthebay.net, and it is under Extraordinary Living. Okay, so that was last week we started with session two, and that was what are you saying to yourself about yourself. So we didn't finish uh, last week, so we're going to go ahead and finish. So what you'll see on the podcast will be part one of session two. Today will be part two of session two. So just a quick overview of what we were talking about last week, and we're talking about relational seeds, those seeds that we're planting and have been planted in our hearts and we plant in others' Uh, hearts. Pastor talked about it today, actually our scripture verse that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And we talked about, now what we're talking about in this session is what are the things that we're saying to ourselves? And we talked about last week how many times the things that we're saying to ourselves, we're not really aware of them. They're running on a subconscious level. And those things could have been implanted from childhood it could have been implanted on the playground they could have been implanted while we were in school uh, and most times it could be positive or negative uh, but we have a tendency to want to lean on the negative uh, and so this is not really about being on the negative but it's really trying to raise the awareness of what is it that we are saying to ourselves? What seeds are we planting? What seeds have we been planting? And so what we talked about, we made a statement that is really relative throughout this whole teaching Relevant. is... Relevant. Isn't that what I just said? Relative. Oh, I stand corrected. <laughs> um, is that what you say about yourself you begin to believe about yourself. What you believe about yourself begins to dictate your behaviors. Your dictate, when it dictates your behaviors, it tends to validate your convictions about what it is you think and say about yourself, and that cycle continues, right? So we can get in this cycle of taking these things that we have said or have been said to us and planting that in that ground called our heart. And then as we continue to do those things and those behaviors, they pretend, they tend to validate that and those roots begin to go deep. So where this also can relate to is it can relate to our relationships with our spouses. Because we can now, we can in the course of relationship begin to have certain opinions and judgments about our spouses that we begin to internalize and begin to plant in our own hearts. And then we begin to speak those out and implant it on our spouse's hearts. And what we don't realize is we plant these things and it get deeper and deeper. And the more you plant it, the more your conviction, the more that their behavior now increases your conviction on, okay, yeah, you are who I said you were. You are the guy that doesn't care about me because look at your behaviors. Your behaviors are validating 
my convictions that you really don't care about me, right? And so when the spouse, even when the spouse then begins to try to change those things that may be said, whether they are correct or not, right? You've done so much planting and so much watering now in your heart that you don't believe it. We've worked with couples where the one spouse has said, you know, what you said about me is true. And so now I realize that and I understand that I'm starting to do some work in my own heart. And I want to convince you that what's that the changes that are in my heart that I'm trying to make, I want to convince you that those changes are real. Many times we've heard the other spouse say, I don't believe it. They've said that they're going to change, so they won't even give them the benefit of the doubt of even saying, okay, well, I hear what you're saying, and I, and I love what it is you're saying. Let's see. Let's be objective and see if what has really gone in your heart, if it's going to manifest in your actions. But many times, a spouse has planted those, those seeds so deep, deeply in themselves that they discount it automatically. I've heard it before, and it's not going to—it's never going to change. It's going to be the same thing. It was like that in the beginning. It is what it is now, and it'll always be like that. You hear the words that I'm saying, right? So the same words that I'm saying, what am I doing? I'm taking those seeds, right? I'm continuing to plant them. That will not change, right? And so now, what happens though is now I'm going to base every—I'm going to base what I see based on those plant, uh, those words that I have planted. And when I see something, even if that person is trying and trying to get better and they make a mistake, the first, soon as that first mistake happens, see, there's my validation right there. You aren't gonna change. You're gonna be the same way that you have been, right? So there's another way of, of saying some of this in an abbreviated fashion, and we've shared this before. Um, we uh, learned this from a training that Joe and I once had, and it's a it's a kind of a cycle. So belief uh, influences expectation, <coughs> expectation impacts behavior, behavior influences uh, experience. Okay, you believe it, you expect it, you behave it, you experience it. So another expression for that is self fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. You know, if I believe right that this is the way life is, I'm going to also look at life through those lenses. I'm going to see my friends, if it's about my friends, if it's about my peers, if it's about uh, people of other races, if it's about my spouse, I'm gonna see through those lenses because of my foundational beliefs. And uh, even um, Pastor brought up, unless we allow the Lord to shift in us, what we started out with, then what happens is we just continue on. And life is nothing more than what we have always thought it was going to be because we already had it mapped out because we knew everything. We also shared last week that we, we do self-talk. We practice self-talk at a rate of 300 to 1,000 words per minute. So even when we're not really kind of in touch with what's going on, um, there are some thoughts that are flowing through our minds that are just, they're just there. I remember early in marriage, I would, I would ask Joe, what are you thinking about? And he would say nothing. And I know, uh, uh, Ann and David, men are, what are they? Noodles, waffles, I, I can't see. Men are waffles, right? So, so, and women are spaghetti. So I'm there going, well, there has to be something you're thinking about. You can't just be thinking about nothing, right? And, and they do have a nothing box, but there's still something that is underlying that nothing box, the fact that there is a nothing box, right? The fact that there's a nothing box just like most of us have a junk kitchen drawer. The fact that there's a junk kitchen drawer means we're gonna go put junk in that drawer, right? And, and so we are processing and processing and we don't even realize we're processing. All of us got up this morning. We, don't, we think the alarm woke us up, but the Lord is who woke us up. But the moment we were awakened, there were certain things that started to fire, right? There were certain things that were firing even while we were sleeping that we 
did not necessarily necessarily plant right there's you know breathing in that's one of those you don't have to plant that one is <laughs> gonna happen right breathe in breathe out breathe in breathe out pressure point turnover right um, those are things that are just part of the body but they're also things that go on in our heads like the dreams that we dream sometimes are influenced by what we were doing before we went to bed you know was I reading something that was beneficial to my spirit man you know or even to my soul meaning was I reading something encouraging versus was I reading something that is not and then what do I end up dreaming you know and then there are those times that the Lord sends you a dream but yeah we have things that are going on on what we call the subconscious and I would rather say the not so conscious some things are kind of there and we kind of know that they are but we don't necessarily know that we have power over them but we do we do we have power over what's going on between our ear gates okay we do have some power over that and so that's what we are um, here to talk about so last week we started uh, we started asking some questions and one thing we asked was are you judging yourself and we talked about this idea, um, and Paul, we refer to 1 Corinthians 4, verses uh, 3 to 5, where Paul made a point of saying that he doesn't even judge himself, but it's the Lord that judges him. And the reason Paul was making that judgment was because many times we don't even know our own hearts. And so later on in that verse, he says, he tells the Corinthians, don't judge anything until the Lord comes, because when the Lord comes, he's going to judge based on the motives and attitudes of the heart. So Paul was making this, this, this statement that he doesn't even judge himself, because many times when we make judgments, we're making judgments, we're making snap judgments, we're making judgments off of what we perceive is going on in the other people's hearts. And we talked about that we live in a society today where we make snap judgments about everybody in everything in every way, right? So don't, you know, if you're a Republican, I got a snap judgment about you already. If you're a Democrat, I got a snap judgment about you already, right? If you live in the South, I got a snap judgment about you already. If you live in the North, I got a snap judgment about you, right? And many times they're not based on facts and reality because you don't really know that person mm -hmm. it's one thing if you had a relationship and you knew that person right and so you were getting ready to make a judgment based on mm -hmm. experience and we talked about in the legal system when you make nobody makes a snap judgment in the legal system I'm not saying the legal system is perfect but the legal system they go through extensive work on trying to find out motives and attitudes so that they can, when they do make a judgment, it's going to be as close to right as possible. And the reason that Paul said that to the Corinthians was, God is the only one that all the time, 100% of the time, makes good and perfect judgment. Why? Because he knows the attitudes. Everything is laid, the Bible says, everything is laid open and bare before God. When God makes a judgment, He's not basing it off of snap judgment or hearsay or because the guy across the street said something or talking head on TV said something and then we decided we were going to buy that. So we make a snap judgment based on that. God's not making those kind of judgments. Okay. But the other thing we said was that Paul did not say not to judge. So now you got to mm -hmm. stay with me here. All right. Paul was making that statement because when people, when we tend to judge, we judge from a place of not having all the facts. Okay. But Paul says in another, in another scripture, he says, it's not my place to judge those outside the church, but it's my place to judge those inside the church. So Paul's not saying that he's not judging, but here's the difference. Paul is making judgments based on the word of God, not on his own interpretation. So I used this example 
last week. So if I have a brother in the church that's having an affair in his wife, it's not up to me to say, well, you know what? Hey, I'm not going to make a judgment about that. You know, it's his life. He can do whatever. No, that's not what Paul is saying. That's my brother, right? I'm going to go to him and say, hey, you know what? I love you and all that. But what you're doing is wrong, right? And that is based on God's own judgment in his, in his word, that he's making a judgment inside the church, right? Now, the other thing that I said is when that is made, right, I also have to come alongside that brother and be able, be willing to walk alongside him and work through things and help him through that. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. That's right. Okay. Here's a problem that we have in the church. A problem we have in the church is a brother gets caught in a sin. You're in sin. You know you ought to be, you shouldn't be doing that. Stop that. And then we all sit around and we judge him and we belittle him and we put him down. Right? And then that's where you get the holier than thou or the righteous, the so-called the, the, the righteousness. I'm more righteous than you. Okay? But the issue is we all suffer that same thing. So if my brother is fallen, right, I should come alongside, as the Bible says, and come alongside and bear his burdens with him and walk through him with that and help restore him, right? Not me sitting there making judgments. So I'm hoping that you're getting what that understanding, what we're talking about in terms of, uh, of judgment, okay? The reason that we say also, are you judging yourself is because most times the judgments we make on ourselves mm-hmm. are very critical. Mm-hmm. The judgments we made on, make on ourselves are not godly because mm-hmm. God's not judging us, right? We make those and, we, and those, we, they tear us down and they do not build us up. That's and we're right. making snap judgments based on what the world has said about us, based on whatever, right? We cannot, we have to get out of this. We have to be able to start recognizing what we're saying to ourselves and be able to start balancing that with what God says about us. Okay? Sue? Just to clarify, so this is separate, <coughs> different, very different from search me, O oh God, and know my heart, try me, know my anxious thoughts, and allowing the Holy Spirit to pin things that are not in alignment. That's, because it's kind of mm-hmm. in a way, I'm Yeah, well, going back to the scripture, which we actually read uh, last week, I believe it was the Romans 12. No, we haven't got to that. Oh, 1 Corinthians 4, 3 to 5, just to get my reference correct, that where Paul is talking about he doesn't even judge himself. Yes, that is in line with that scripture from the Psalms that says, search me, O God. He says he allows the Lord to judge him. Okay, that's the person who who comes to us and evaluates what's on our heart. But the other thing about that verse that you quoted from the Psalm, search me, O God, and see if there be any, I think King James uses wicked way in me. Other translations use anxious ways in me. Um, is when you study that, that, that word, that Hebrew word that we translate into wicked or anxious also means hurtful. Are there any wounds in my heart? Am I acting out of woundedness? God, search me. You know whether or not, whether or not I acted out of, I'll just run all the, all the definitions together, out of just being mean-spirited. You know whether or not I was acting out of just being completely frustrated and angry. You know whether or not I was acting out of being hurt. Right? You're the only one who knows the root. So search me. And then show me, right, so that I can begin to deal with those areas. And it's really not me dealing. It's not like I'm really going to go over to the medicine box and go get the Band-Aid and Band-Aid myself. 
It's really, am I going to open up to the Lord and allow him to be the physician of my wound? So, yes, that is true. Yeah, there is another aspect to that, but we'll bring it up in the next uh, phase. I need to go and attend to the hand that's raised right now. In the <laughs> so the, um, the other thing that we have to, to really take to heart about this idea of the Lord being the judge is that the Lord uses judgment for his people for correction, not condemnation. That's very important to get a hold of. He uses judgment for his people for correction, not for condemnation, right? Because the word says we are no longer under condemnation, right? But he uses that as a point to correct us. And so if we see it in that light, right, if we see it in that light, it becomes different because now we have a different mindset, a different attitude that we're bringing to the table, right? Versus if we see it as condemnation, now we see this as a very angry, vengeful God, right, that is just waiting for us to slip up so he can hit us with a lightning bolt or do all kind of stuff that's going on. And this is where the body of Christ has a very big issue because we don't understand that point, right? So we're always now walking on the fence. We're always scared to death, right? Because if I'm not towing that line, if I'm not towing that perceived line that somebody's told me about all the good stuff I ought to do, Right. I got an angry, vengeful God that is going to use judgment as condemnation. Now, again, I said God's people. Right. When he uses judgment, it is not for condemnation. That's right. It is for correction. That's right. It's very important to understand that. Right. And it's very important that we take those words and implant them. Because if we've been living our whole lives, right, walking that Christian idea that God's just waiting to condemn me, right, you probably got some nice deep roots there. So don't, don't, this is the kind of stuff that you take, right, that you take and you begin to say to yourself and you begin to go through scripture and you begin to understand the God that is really there, not the God that you think you know, the God that is actually the God of the Bible. Because mm. that's another thing, mm. okay? You gotta know that you gotta know that you gotta know that that's the God, the one that says that I, do, I don't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance, right? You can't be over here and say, I don't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance, and be standing on this side, and be saying, I'm just waiting for you to mess up so I can condemn you. Uh -huh. You see what I'm saying? Uh -huh. It can't be. It can't, uh -huh. <laughs> right? He's not talking out of both sides of his neck. He's either got to uh -huh. be one or the other. Right? Brian? You're saying that we shouldn't be running around feeling like we're all condemned. Right. We shouldn't be beating ourselves up. No. Right? no. Now, I'm going to get into this next one. I'm going to get into... Because that doesn't, the other thing that we also have to do is we don't want to get into denial. That's right. Right? And denial is more than just a river that runs in North Africa. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because we can many times get over into that. Right? So the next thing we want to talk about is are you thinking soberly about yourself? And the scripture here is actually Romans 12, 3. And Paul says, uh, for the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that many times when we judge, it's character assassination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's character assassination. 
And what Paul is saying is, get into the habit of looking at yourself soberly. So what I'm saying is, if I have some issues in my life, okay, I don't want to get into the area of denial and go, oh, well, you know what, that's not a big deal. Everybody does that. Well, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. We'll just go down the road. We'll deal with that later. Right? Now I'm planting the seeds of denial. And there's even a scripture to back, quote, unquote, wrongly back that up. Forgetting what lies behind. Pressing forward to, you know, I'll Mm -hmm. use the scripture to Mm -hmm. add my denial. Right, right. And many, and That's many times one. we'll do that, right? Because we won't, we'll go to the word and we won't really, we won't go to the word objectively. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'll go to the word to kind of validate some of the stuff that's going on yeah. in us. But Paul is telling us, oh, wait a minute. So I don't want you to, you're not to judge yourself, right? Based on the, the definitions we just gave. At the same time, I need to be able to look at myself. I need to be able to look in the mirror and really see what's going on with myself. Mm-hmm. Right? If I've got some issues and we all got some issues, we got to be able to look in the mirror and look at that. But here's the thing. We have to be able to look. Joseph, stop. At, we have to be able to look at that soberly and objectively without character assassination. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is where it gets really difficult, because if I've got an issue with unforgiveness, okay, I can't start assassinating my character and saying, you know what, Mm -hmm. I'm just a lousy person because Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to find a way to forgive. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I can't go all the way over to denial Mm -hmm. and go, well, you know what? I don't really have to worry about forgiving that person. And that person is not worthy of forgiveness. So I'm just not going to even see that person. I'm not going to even think about it. Mm-hmm. We're just going to move on. Right? And we've dealt with that a lot. People just go, well, we're just going to move on. That was in the past. We're just going to move on. So let me give you a little clue to see if you really give it, moved on. If whatever that issue was, when you think of that issue... If the same emotions come up, that came up, in other words, if that hurt that happened five years ago, when you think about it, it's just as fresh today as was five years ago, you haven't moved on. You just stuffed it. And things that are stuffed, Mm -hmm. right, are destined to come back. And when they come back, they bring all their friends with them. Yeah, there's a book called Feelings Buried Alive Never Die. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunately very true. John. So, that scripture you read, Joe, when it talks about that part, uh, not to think of ourselves more highly than we are, but think soberly. Uh, we can also inflate ourselves Right through that scripture, which is denial. Yeah, and it's almost like okay, I can still go over there. I can still, you know, and 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 it's almost like making yourself. uh, It's it's okay to think positive and everything, but there's wisdom with that as well, as far as stepping into a room or a place to where you know, you know, in the past, you know, you, you had some real issues there. Mm-hmm. So now, since I've been strong for all of these years, mm-hmm. I can do it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, we don't, I don't know if it comes to the point to where we think of it as denial. It's almost like, you know. No, we don't, because we don't know when we're denying. Yeah. We're in denial. Until you. We're in denial about the denial. With that. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back up, those feelings, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, it's trickling back up. Mm-hmm. I'm getting that same reaction. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times what we do, we're very good at, at building, because um, in our men's group, we talk about this. We're very good about building denial structures. Mm-hmm. Right? We're very good about building these denial structures around us to keep us in whatever place 
that either is too painful to deal with, and most times it's that. There's some, there's some real hurt and some real pain that we're not in a place to be able to look at it. So we begin to build denial structures, right? People in addiction are very good in building denial structures, right? Because of the hurt, the pain, the things that are going to have to deal with to actually come to grips with that, right? And so all of us really, to a certain extent, have our own denial structures. The other side of that, or the aspect of that that touches on the spirit is what the Bible calls a stronghold. Mm-hmm. Because the enemy, and I'm talking about demonic forces, are going to take advantage of our denial structures of where we've been hurt and that we are, maybe we weren't able to deal with it when it initially happened. It might be wounds from childhood, right? We didn't have the capacity to deal with that stuff, unpack it and understand it. Mommy was where mommy was, daddy was where daddy was, teacher was where teacher was in terms of their own um, their own level of healing or maturity or relationship with Christ. We don't have that capacity. So it's appropriate as a child to pack it up. It's appropriate as a, as, as a young adult to pack it up. It's appropriate in some times, in some circumstances, as an adult to pack it up for the meantime because you got to charge forward. You know, people who maybe are dealing with a spouse that passed away, you know, suddenly they're dealing with some things that that they may need to pack up and put aside because they've got kids to raise. But there comes a time where the Lord is calling us to begin to allow him into those places. And he's calling us to deliverance. Right. We need to get the enemy off of that place. But the real way to keep the enemy off of that place is to deal with the wounds there's, there's two types of traumas that we all suffer. There's trauma A, which is the absence of things we should have had. We all have them. Our parents all did the best that they could. They all did what they knew to do and did some extra, in some cases, what they probably shouldn't have done, right? But we also have trauma Bs, where things happen to us that should never happen to anybody, right? We all have them. But that's why the Lord says, allow me to search. And in the midst of all that, when we recognize, you know, what it is that we are, we are called to, he gives us the opportunity to repent. In First, first uh, John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, most of us, Think that when we repent, what we need to do is we need to keep beating ourselves up. I mean, we make fun of Catholics, right, for going and doing penance or going and and um, going to confession. But Protestants, evangelicals, we're just as guilty. We are just as guilty. We just don't have a a a room that you go to with the priest to do that, right? So we can pick on everybody else, but yet we think, well, I got to beat myself up because I, I slipped. I, I, I didn't slip. I actually, I sinned. I offended the Lord. I need to repent. The Lord says he is faithful and just to forgive us. He also says in, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 2, 16, that we have the mind of Christ. So if we repent, we need to say, God, I'm so sorry, I did wrong. What I did was inappropriate, it was incorrect, it was not what you've called me to, you've called me to bigger and better things. I choose now, give me your hand. I choose now to take your hand and keep stepping in the direction you've called me to. And I'm not gonna sit back and call myself names and beat myself up and ask myself why I didn't do what I should have done or why it is I don't quite get it. That is partnering with that, those structures. That is putting our hand right back in the enemy's hand after we've repented. Then we go right back. Forgive me. You you love me. He's not the enemy. Alec is not the enemy. But we put our hand back in the enemy's hand and we go, okay, well, let's just keep thinking that way about myself. That is not what God is calling us to. He's sitting there laughing while you're doing it. (laughs) Exactly. He's like, oops, she thought she repented, but guess what? I got her back. Because part of those things that hold us back 
is that God forgives us, but we don't forgive ourselves. ourselves. We don't forgive ourselves. I was talking to a brother um, Thursday, and what we had just talked about in terms of if you have a wound and when you think about that wound, right, it, when you get the same emotion that it hasn't been healed, these are things that happened in his life several years ago. And when he thinks about them, it's like, it's right back there. And he's like, I can't let it go. I said, the issue is, did you go to the Lord and confess it? Yes. Did he forgive you? Yes. I said, you don't have the right to not forgive yourself. That's right. You do not have the right. And we need to say that to ourselves. Mm -hmm. I don't have the right to not forgive myself. Mm -hmm. And is that what's going on? So part of, as we go on with this, part of what we've got to do is we have to if we're going to have sober thinking, the only way to really have sober thinking is to, to line your thinking up with the word of God. That's the only true, solid, foundational anchor that when you're out here and all your thoughts are like flying all over the place, that's the only place that you can go and say, okay, this is what I'm thinking, but is this, is this really right is this true is this where i should be okay it's why we always go back and we we will hammer it till jesus comes home or we go to jesus either mm. either one right. is the two biggest things that you must understand in your walk is who god is mm -hmm. and who you were created to be mm -hmm. you must understand that because everything in your christian walk depends on it and if those, if one of those two things are off, your walk is going to be off. I guarantee it. Mm -hmm. There are millions of Christians walking around that their, their lives are off because one of those or both of those things are not correct. They have to be correct. And if our, if our thinking is going to get centered, if our lives are going to get centered, or if we're going to be sober and we're going to start understanding how we can change our relationships and how we can change our lives and how we can have sober thinking and how we can be right, renewed um, in our minds. We have to be able to rely on the words, uh, uh, God's word. You know, an interesting thing um, that Paul teaches in the scripture, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We like to quote that, but we never quote the second half of that. He says, then you will be able to know and accept God's will, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. We never quote that, but do you understand if your mind, if your mind begins to be aligned with God, the mind of Christ, mm -hmm. Paul says that you will be able to approve and accept what God's will is. We're all walking around going, what's God's will? What's God's will? What's God's will? If we get our minds first, our minds renewed, then Paul says then, right? Those two go together, right? You have, you have to, that is a, a fact that Paul is talking about. And so it's so important for us to, again, begin to, what is it that we're thinking? What is it that we're believing about ourselves? What is it that we're believing about our spouse, about our family? What is it that we're believing about God? We're going to deal with that one next week. What, what is it that's going on so that we can start lining ourselves up and having some sober thinking and start figuring, okay, you know what? This doesn't line up with God, right? Because I think of myself as a bad and wretched person. Well, unless I have the word of God to come back and say, well, you know what? No, 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 no. That's not what I was created to be. So <clears throat> God's word's not wrong. My thinking is wrong. So now I have to start doing something about my thinking. Yeah. Right. Our, our church cliches many times are wrong. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Please don't say that around me because you will get a reaction. <laughs> as, you, as you can tell, we don't, we, don't, we don't subscribe to that. You were a sinner. Right. You, you are now on the right side of the cross. You were, if you, if you, you really meant your prayer of asking Christ into your heart and life, 
if you really meant it, then you are saved. You are a saved. I mean, I'm telling you, wait a second. I went to a Catholic church that got it. They got it. They were calling themselves saints. And they were the first in their, in their, in their, what we would call bylaws. They're not supposed to call themselves saints. Right? Because they haven't died, crossed over, and been blessed by the Pope to be a saint. But that community of believers got it. They knew they were saints because they believed in Christ. So how dare we continue to drag around our past with us when the Lord is saying, I redeemed you for a purpose. I called you to something greater than what you were. Leave the baggage alone. Yes, there's still some that you carry in your heart and in your mind. Yes, I recognize that. We're going to heal it as we take the journey forward. Because here's the thing. We understand that, that we have a flesh, right? Okay, so we are saints that occasionally sin. That's right. Okay, that's, that's our position, mm-hmm. right? And I understand why we, why we do the, you know, we're, we're just sinners saved by grace. I understand that, okay? It's, it's from a place of humility. It's a place of don't think of yourself more highly than you are, right? I get that. The other problem with that, though, right, is it also gives you an out. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, well, you know, I cheat on, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know, I'm a sinner. That's kind of what sinners do. Mm. Right? It can also lead to that. But see, we're in the church. We don't deal with that. Let's get real. Right? What, who does the word say that we are? Now, you show, somebody show me where the word says that we are sinners saved by grace. Amen. You won't find it. Right? First John will talk about, oh, yeah, you know, if you sin, confess your sins daily, you know, take up the challenge. Look it up. Take Come up on the challenge, up. my sister. Come on. Take it up. Look it up. Yeah. Correct us. We are. We, hey, if we're wrong, we're, we're wrong. wrong. Well, we are saved by grace. We are. Right. So that part is correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. And being a sinner is even correct yeah. and in the past. We were sinners. Mm-hmm. Were. That's were. a point. That's a we say were. we are, I am just okay, a sinner. So we're making it a I present tense. A yes, we're making it a, thank you. We're making it a present tense. Exactly. And now, because positionally, positionally, right? Positionally, we weren't because it says that we were taken. We were taken from death to life. Mm-hmm. So we've been positionally moved. Right. If we're still sinners saved by grace, to me, now I'm not a theologian. I don't have 45 PhDs behind my name. <laughs> I'm just reading the word from what the word says, right? That to me, I've been moved positionally. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have flesh. It doesn't mean I'm not going to... That, that I'm not going to occasionally sin. That doesn't mean that I don't have a battle with the flesh. doesn't mean any of that. Right. Well, First John is pretty strong about if we sin, you know, all kinds of, but I don't think we want to get into that. But, but even then, it says, even you know, John. yeah, it says if you're without sin, right? right? So all he's trying to do is trying to make sure that to understand that, okay, you're still positionally moved. Yeah. But you still you still wake up, right? Because Paul talked about you know the things I want to do. Exactly. That's your position. That's your position. And Paul talks about I've got flesh. The things I I do want to do I don't do. You know, and the things I do want to do I can't do. You know, and he says because it's sin in me, right? So, again, positionally, right? We still have to deal with sin. But positionally, we've been we've been moved. We're not at the same place. There's a scripture, Romans five eight. But God commended His love toward us, uh-huh. that while we were yet sinners, right. Christ died. Uh-huh. Past tense uh-huh. were right. Uh-huh. Thank you, Alec. And then I need to use you for an illustration. Again. <laughs> One of my favorite verses that I've been coming back to um, a lot lately um, has been, um, 
can't remember, I can never remember addresses, but um, who, who are we, it's where Peter is getting the revelation of who are we to call uh, unclean mm -hmm. what God has called mm -hmm. clean, right? And that's just not relating to food. Right. Mm -hmm. exactly. That's relating to us. Exactly. We mm -hmm. cannot, we cannot tell ourselves we are unclean mm -hmm. if God, if, if God has called us clean because God has called us clean. Right. And and so, yeah, we might get a little spot here and there, mm -hmm. but it, it it's not going to stay there. We can wash it off. That's exactly. right. We can, we can wipe it off. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not, right. we're not, we're not stuck in that place. Exactly. And that, and that is by renewing our minds, mm -hmm. by, by changing our thought processes, mm -hmm. by, by, by understanding that we are saved. That's mm -hmm. right. We are saved. Right. And when we are saved, that savedness lasts for eternity because right. the only one who can remove that is him and if he didn't say it then he didn't say it that's right exactly can i use you for the illustration yes i want you to stand over by in front of joe so that'll, Alex, that'll teach you next time alex is <laughs> <laughs> in an earlier in an earlier illustration um alec w allowed me to hold his hand as if i was putting my hand back into the enemy's hand right now he illustrates Christ. This is Christ, resurrected Christ. And here I am, I've already prayed the prayer of salvation and I meant it the best way I knew how. I meant it with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. That doesn't mean I fully understood everything that Christ purchased for me that I am unfolding in this book. But what I'm doing by renewing my mind is I'm coming closer and closer to where I am in position. In position, I'm seated with Christ, but in the flesh and in my behavior, I may come all the way this close and then I go here, right? I go backwards. I may come even closer and hang for a while and take a step back, right? <laughs> I may decide I wanna kind of be near Christ, but you know, I'm kind of mad at him right now, so I'm not doing anything that's obviously sinful, but he and I know that we're not getting along, right? Because I expected something from him and he did not deliver based on what I expected and what I thought he was calling me to. Now, I thought he was calling me to something and I did everything I knew to do to follow his orders, but it didn't quite happen. And because I can't see all the parameters of it, I'm mad at him. So I'm over here. Y'all think I'm still holy, but you know, I'm kind of not talking to him. I could do all of that. And all he keeps declaring is, you have my mind, you have my mind, you have my mind, you have my mind. Continue to be transformed, continue to be transformed. He does not see me as where I was on the other side of the cross. He's not looking at that. He says he casts our sins away as far as the what? Jesus from the west. Thank you. Do they ever touch? No. So when I go to him and I go, oh, remember that time I got so sloppy drunk and, no. you know, I just, exactly. That's his answer. What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. Don't you see I shed my blood for you? Why you keep bringing that garbage back in the house? I don't want no garbage up in my house. <laughs> Even he's getting it, I hope, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Thank you, Alec. So it's very important that we recognize that, yes, we still, as Joseph was saying, we still wrestle with this. We still wrestle with this. We still have wounds that are being healed. We're not perfect, but at the same time, we are not condemned. Yes, brother. And, and he, he says, he tells us, he, you know, he answers our prayers in his timing, not ours. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, we might not get that instant gratification we want, right? Yeah, he lives in eternity. He lives outside of time. That's right. He gave us time so that we could have one perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the other thing about it too is we have to always remember that Christ is not ministering to us in isolation. Mm -hmm. I could be asking him for something completely legitimate. I, I think I was sharing, uh, Pinder, was it you that I was sharing that thing with about a friend of mine? A, a friend of ours knew, she's a prophet. She knew who God had called to be her husband. 
homeboy slept with somebody, got her pregnant, and had to marry that girl. Not my friend. Now, was my friend in error? Did she miss Christ? Or did he miss Christ? What's obvious to us, because we don't know all the parameters involved, we really don't. And it's not to judge him or blame him or any of that. It's not about any of that. It's just that we, we go to him in relationship. So it's like this. It's me and you, Jesus. Right? But we forget that there are other people and other dynamics that are involved. Oftentimes, even in something that's very personal that we're asking Christ for. I can't ask the Lord to change up somebody else entirely. I can. I can ask him. I want you to change Joe, just like Pastor was talking about. Just change him, Lord. And... I've been trying 38 years. It haven't worked yet. Because <laughs> some of that is also dependent on him. Exactly. He has to be willing to cooperate with what Jesus has for him. Exactly. And you learn how to dodge. Like, girl, girl yeah. come on now. That's yes. my testimony, yeah. and I'm sticking to it because it was true. There was a sure, lot of stuff happening. Sure, I was like, ooh, ooh. And it sure worked. There's nothing like getting hit by an uppercut, two stomach punches, <laughs> and then a right cross. And you looking down like that. And I'd go to my mother-in-law, go, my mother-in-law go, wow, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank Just saying. Hey, when you're on the ground, there's nowhere else to look but up. Right? And the Lord will put you down there if he has to. But again, right? Why? Because... His ultimate goal is to make us more like Christ. That's it. His ultimate goal is to make us more like Christ. You know, the other thing is that he says that all things work together. For That's me. right. All. Right. So there may be some places where we missed, some places where we thought we missed the boat, some places where we thought, you know what, that thing didn't work out. Right. Those who love God and call according to his purpose you don't ever miss out. That's the right. only thing you miss out on is what you thought you missed out on. That's right. Yeah. That's the only thing you missed out on. <laughs> but you don't miss out. Why? Because you can plant your feet That's on right. that scripture right there and you can build your life and stay on it. Because right. if he said that, I don't care what's happening in your life. It's and so some fun, of right? us have, meant to have had some really horrific, tragic things. And do we understand why? We won't understand because Paul says on this side, we see dimly, right? Mm -hmm. But on, well, when we see him, we're going to see clearly face to face. But we can stand on that one promise, right? Is that, I don't know, Lord, and we go to him, Lord, I have no idea because this thing looks messed up, mm -hmm. jacked up from every way I could look. There is no possible way, no possible way mm -hmm. that this mm -hmm. thing had anything good. That's right. Right? right, and then Elaine, and then I. I was just thinking about the sister you were saying is that sometimes we still just because that situation happened where he left to be with another whatever mm -hmm. that God may be saying it was still my will for you guys to get back together because now it's going to be a ministry. You know, you guys are going to be walking together now, helping other couples who've experienced. Mm -hmm. Some difficulties in their marriage, so you still don't know. It looks like, well, that could have been him, God, because why would you allow him to go do this to me? Mm -hmm. But God said, now you're going to be even stronger, you know. And I just remember that with me, God was saying, how can you help other women if you haven't gone through nothing yourself? Mm -hmm. So I have to take you down in a valley that's been down there and know what it's like to be down there in order to help other people come up out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. As Joe was saying, you know, we see dimly, I, I, I kind of got this image, right, of, of the lighthouse, right? Mm -hmm. On those foggy nights, on those times when the when the fog is thickest and that lighthouse is going, the the, the, the boat captain has to has to trust mm -hmm. that that lighthouse is positioned correctly. Mm -hmm. That's right. Because if he lines up, it's I think it's like two or three lighthouses, and you line up, mm -hmm. then you got to know that in that harbor, you got to follow right in between those lighthouses, and you go in, and you're going to be safe. Mm -hmm. But if you don't trust it, and you say, "Well, but that," but I heard, I heard last week 
that you know they moved the lighthouse over here, mm -hmm. and so I'm gonna I'm gonna just skew just a little bit this way, and mm -hmm. I'm gonna hit a rock. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now what did you do? You hit a rock. That's right. <laughs> yep, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why the word says he is a lamp onto our feet. That's right. Right? Because you many times you don't see, right? The only thing you can see is the Lord shining that light and says, that's that. You know, you think of Abraham. How many of you, if the Lord would come to you in a dream, say, okay, pack up all your stuff, right? I'm going to send you to a land where you're going to be prosperous, right? Um, Lord, where am I going? I'll tell you when you get there. I don't know about you. But I'd be like, Lord, you got to show me some more stuff other than that. Right? And why you talk about, thank you. Why you talk about the man of faith? Think about that. Right? Think about that. And, and he's just like, okay, Lord, I'm getting up. Don't know people like, where are you leaving to? You got everything? I don't know where I'm going. You know, they look at that guy and go, I don't know what this fool was like drinking last night. Or he's high on something. But who packs up their whole family? Right. Who packs up their whole family and goes on a trip and you don't know where you're going? What, is, what in the world is wrong with you? You know what they no. thought. They, they thought, oh, he found some of that stuff that Noah had been drinking. <laughs> yeah. He found that old wine. He had some Noah juice yeah. or something because yeah. this guy is not in his right mind. <laughs> nobody does that. For Abraham. Yeah, it's a man of faith. was about, yes. That's right. Yeah. Like legitimately, we may not even know. Exactly. And, and I know there's been times where it's like one little thing somebody does not remember, but it stuck with me so much. And who knows how much that truth was interweaved in with other people. Right. Right. I'm this, I struggle with that. I struggle. I want to know the, the answer. Yeah. Okay. Let me know. Let me know. Yep. Well, I'm right there with you. Yeah. It's such a struggle for me. I need to, maybe that's part of what. God is helping me, Rogan. It's like the, the faith without that knowing that outcome. Yeah. Yes. That yeah. faith without the, the proof yet of what's the Exactly. Exactly. And that's clearly for me a weak spot. Yeah. yeah. You know, for a lot of us, because uh, one of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lead not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. But the interesting thing about that is, he says, trust him first. Direct your past is the last part of those two scriptures, right? And so it's like, and the one thing I know about God is it's okay if we walk like this. <laughs> Just take that step. Keep taking that step. Uh, it's okay. It's all right. You know, we don't have to, that's part of that, you know, let's, let's be real with God. It's okay. It's okay. He's perfectly all right with it, right? All right, let's, uh, we're going to wrap up real quick. Uh, two things I just want to say um, is two things that to help combat that thinking. One, start paying very close attention to your thought life. Start looking at patterns of your thinking. What do you say to yourself at different times in dif different circumstances? What are you thinking about the people that you're in relationship with? Looking for patterns will help you um, will help to begin to give you a foundation for which you can begin to change how you think. Uh, scripture there, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And lastly, you need scripture to change the way you think. You have to replace those thoughts that you're thinking with new thoughts. 
find scriptures that reinforce who God is as to his character and nature, and find scriptures that reinforce who you are in Christ today. Okay. Can I Not who you example? think you are, but who God says you are. 2 Timothy 3, 16. So, um, Can I finish one more thing? You said last. Set your thinking huh? on heavenly things while keeping your earthly things in perspective. Okay. So I was just going to give a couple of examples. Um, I went on this journey earlier this year, and I'm still uh, on this journey of taking what Joseph said um, about using scripture to change your life, change your thought life. So um, I had some things that I was believing. I just want to give you examples. One of them was, I am afraid I'll be stuck if I only minister with my husband. I am afraid I will be stuck because God has called me to more ministry than just relational care. Okay. So there was a fear as I allowed the Lord, as who called out the Lord to examine my heart. I didn't realize I was thinking that on a conscious level, but I had this fear that I would be limited in my ability to serve the Lord if I, if, if I just did this. And what the Lord gave me was Genesis 15 and 1, um, which I'm going to go there and read it, and then um, I'll share one other one with you. But in Genesis 15 and 1, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And for whatever reason, that particular scripture just combated the issue of fear that I was dealing with in terms of that limitation. So he gave me a declaration, and the declaration is, I am not and will not be stuck because God is my shield and my exceeding great reward. I kind of sensed in that that the Lord was saying, don't worry about what ministry you do or don't do. Keep your eyes on me. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is you do or don't do, your purpose is to serve me. Mm-hmm. So if you keep your eye on me, your exceeding great reward, you won't miss anything you're supposed to do. And you won't do things that you're not supposed to do. I felt like when I was reading that, all of that was wrapped up in Genesis 15 and 1. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other example, I have notebook, I have, you know, I tell people I do three by five cards. I really do do three by five cards to combat thoughts that are not God thoughts about me. The other one was there isn't enough of me to go around. There is not enough of me to go around, to do all the things that I feel called to, again, that I feel like I should be participating in. There isn't. And the Lord gave me Luke 10, verse 2, the last half of it. Luke 10, verse 2 says, He said to them, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore, that's the last half, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That was the B part, 2B part that he gave me. And so the declaration that came with that is, I serve where God leads. And I trust him to send laborers to the fields he has not called me to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I trust him to send laborers into the fields he has not called me to. Mm-hmm. So I can better tell when it's something I have a heart's desire to do, but he's saying, no, not now, not this time. That he will send somebody else into that space. So these are, these are just a couple of examples. Um, if you want to talk to me personally, you can. We can talk about some more of them. But be, these are examples of how you can begin to take your thoughts captive mm-hmm. to the obedience of Christ. And that's the scripture that Joe didn't read out in, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Mm-hmm. Taking every thought captive to obey what the word of God says. So with that, um, we're going to close. Joseph, you raised your hand. Do you want to pray for the class? You don't want to pray for the class out loud? 
Oh, okay. All right. All right. I thought I'd call on we you because you, you wanted to be called you, on. Give me your chance. <laughs> <laughs> so, Father, we just thank you for this time. Um, Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We just thank you how much you just love us and yes, care God. for us. Um, how deep your word is, how deep your love is, and how deep the love of Christ is for us. Lord, we just thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. We just thank you, Lord. Because there is truly no condemnation in you. We thank you, Lord, as people that have passed from death to life, that now we, we, see, we are seated with yes. Christ in the heavenly places. Yes, God. And so we thank you. May we make these things real for us today. May we be able to have our, thing, our minds set on heavenly places yes, while we deal with earthly realities. Yes, God. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for every person in this class. We thank you, Lord for their um, seeking after you, mm -hmm. for taking time out today, Lord, to hear what you have said to all of us, us included, Lord, and what you want to do in our lives. What a good, great father you are. And Jesus, what an awesome Lord you are. We thank you. We just ask that you would just bless us for the rest of our day and this week and bring us back together at the appointed time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys. See you next week.